Well, it's great to see you today. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? You're not in your turkey coma anymore? You've recovered? By going shopping, right? That's how you recovered? Well, today we're, uh, we're going to talk a little about, uh, continue the, the last part of this series on uh, Find, Tell, were the first two that were done by Jody. She did a great job, had some great interviews. I'm going to interview myself today. Uh, and it's called uh, a life-changing invitation. Bring a life-changing invitation. And, you know, I want to I talk to you about the, the amazing invitation that I had when, when, when I was uh, just a, a young guy, a young teen. Because, you know, we were living in New York, and you've heard some of this story, but not this part of it. And we were living in New York, and we're living on Long Island in, in a little town called Belmore, and I was having my nice Jewish life. And, you know, it was very pleasant. I lived right on the ocean, and it was a lot of fun. And I had a lot of good friends. And I went to Hebrew school three times a week. That wasn't the most fun part, because it, it's quite a lot of work to, to do that and to study. But uh, I would do that above and beyond the regular school work. And all of a sudden, out of the blue... We all had, the four of us, a family of four, my sister and and my mom and dad and myself, we had this thought, why don't we move to California? I don't know where that thought came from. It just kind of showed up. And, and we thought, well, you know, we've, we've been living in California our whole lives and, you know, we're, we're kind of a family that doesn't change very much. We kind of stayed where we were for decades in the house that we were in and, we thought, why don't we do something different? And just the thought that we were saying, why don't we do something different, was very different. And so, so we, we thought about it, and we said, let's move to California. And my dad, he flew to California. He got the first job that he interviewed for. Then he bought the first house that he, that, that he looked at. And then he told my mom, hey, why don't you sell the house that we're in, that we've been in for the last 20 years, and, and, and move out here. And so before we can get it on the market, that house sold. And in the middle of a dead housing market, that house sold. And, and so here we were, this family that really is not into change. I mean, if you think of it, for 5,000 years, we've kind of been the same way as, as just Jews in, in New York, not for 5,000 years, but the, <laughs> the Jewish calendar actually, if you, if you didn't know, is actually 5,600 years. And, you know, we, we obviously have a different calendar here in the U.S. But so it just kind of tells you about the mindset of Jews. You know, we're kind of like set. We are set. And yet, all of a sudden, we wound up moving to California. And it, it was this just radical change, uh, not just uh, to move 3,000 miles, but literally uh, for a family that doesn't change at all. And the rest of the family still is, is, you know, kind of on the East Coast and doing their thing. It was pretty radical. And we moved. And we moved to California. And, you know, Jesus in New York, he, w- he was still somewhere else. He was not in my town. You know, my town of Belmore was all Jewish. There were there very few people that did not, that knew Jesus that were in my town. And so we moved to Southern California. We moved to this place called Irvine. How many of you know Irvine? Irvine was a teeny town then. Now it's, I don't know, half a million people. It's this gigantic metropolis. But back then, it was a teeny little town. And we moved to that place And I had no idea, my parents had no idea, nobody had any idea, probably the people that were in there, in Irvine, had no idea that God was doing something radical, not just in Irvine, but in Southern California in general. It was the Jesus movement, and we had no idea. As Jews moving into the Jesus movement, believe me, if we had known, we wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but we did it anyway because God was drawing us to himself, and especially me, drawing me to this place called Irvine, California, where he was doing something very special within the context of the high school and the churches there, the community there. And he drew us there. And then he, he drew me into a place where I wound up being friends with people that were being radically changed for Jesus Christ. It was, I mean, I didn't know it. 
Believe me, I didn't know it. <laughs> and, and here I was being drawn to this place where they were being changed by the love and the power and the invitation of Christ into their lives. And a year and a half into high school, that's when I got saved. And who knew that this was going to happen? I had no idea that this was going to happen. The people in, at my high school, University High School in Irvine, had no idea this was going to happen. But you know who did? Jesus Christ. He invited me by the power of his spirit 3,000 miles to this place where he would introduce himself to me and my life would be forever changed. That is the power of bring. That is the power of the invitation. In New York, I never would have been invited to a place to come to Christ. Everywhere around me was Jewish. No one knew Christ. And literally, God was not moving there at that moment. He was moving somewhere else. And he invited me to this place where I came to faith in Christ. In Acts chapter 17, it says this, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact place where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Do you see the strategy here? God has placed each one of us wherever we are for the very purpose of that being the prime place where we can come to faith in Christ. And for me, that meant that my entire family was going to move 3,000 miles away to another state, a state we didn't know, a state that was totally different than where we grew up, so that I would come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. Think about the love of God that he would arrange each one of us so that we would be able to have that wonderful experience with him of salvation. He's thinking about it. He's strategizing about it. This is our God. This is the God that invites us and brings us to himself wherever that might be. And so if you're here today, you're not here by accident. If you're in this state, you are not here by accident. If you're in your neighborhood, you are not here by accident because this is the place God has drawn you and God has invited you for the very purpose of you having an explosive, radical transformation with the living God, the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen? It's like breadcrumbs. What was that story about breadcrumbs? Was that Little Red Riding Hood? What was it? Hansel and Gretel. (laughs) I'm old. What do you want? (laughs) It's like breadcrumbs. God is dropping breadcrumbs and drawing you to himself. He's not drawing you to some danger. He's not drawing you to some place that has no meaning. He is drawing you to himself and he's dropping these breadcrumbs to move you closer to him. And the breadcrumbs could be so many things. The breadcrumbs can be creation to look at all the stars. How many of you checked out that, that great eclipse that happened? Do you guys see it? How many of you actually went to where it was 100% totality? Did anybody do that? Nobody did that? Oh, was it incredible? It's an incredible thing. And it speaks of the power and the grace and the majesty of our God. I had no idea. I'm just advising you because I've seen pictures of totality since then that friends who went there, go to the next one. I think it's in seven years in Texas. You have to go to Texas. How many of you want to go to Texas? The Texans do. But it's like breadcrumbs. It's creation. It's the stars. It's the DNA. It's the information that, that is put there for us to speak to us of the glory and the power and the majesty and the knowledge of God. 
The Bible says that it was by the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, that this world was created. And DNA is, is proof of that. It could be the history. It could be the prophecy. It could be the mystery of life itself that draws as breadcrumbs to himself. John 6 says this, No man can come to me except the Father that sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the plan of God, that you and I would be drawn to the presence of God. Wherever you might be right now in your relationship with God, maybe you're far from God, maybe you're close to God, it doesn't make a difference. His call is irresistible. And he will draw you as he drew me 3,000 miles. I didn't even know who Christ was. And he drew me right to this place where I could discover the grace and the goodness of God. This Greek word about drawing is, is pretty cool. It's akio. Is that up on the screen? Oh, there it is. I don't see it on this screen, you guys. Uh, the Greek word, it's akio. Which, which means to drag it literally or figuratively. So in this case, figuratively, because I don't know of anybody who's been dragged literally by God. Or, you know, maybe some rebellious uh, prophets in the old days. But, you know, for now, we're figuratively being drawn, dragged by God. Clearly, this drawing is a one-sided affair. Da- God does the drawing to salvation. We who are drawn have a passive role in the process. We are being dragged. There is no doubt that we respond to his drawing, but the drawing itself is all his part. He is dragging us to himself in a wonderful, profound, and precious way. Luther says this, the drawing is not like that of an executioner, aren't you glad, who draws the thief up the ladder to the gallows, but it is a gracious allurement, such as that of a man whom everybody loves and to whom everybody willingly goes. This is our Jesus. Oh, the love of Jesus. How we are dragged by that love, drawn by that love, that irresistible love of God. How can we walk away from this precious, precious gift of God's love and his grace, his forgiveness in our lives? Jeremiah says this, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. This is what bring is all about. This is the essence of bring, is that the amazing, the powerful, the outrageous, the indescribable love of God is drawing us to himself. And we experience his life. Do you guys, does this blow your mind? Are you there? This is what God does. This is everything he does. He pours out his love into our hearts and he draws us unto himself. This Thanksgiving weekend, I am thankful that God drew me 3,000 miles to a place I had never heard of, to a high school that I had never been to, to friends I did not know yet, friends that did not know Christ yet even, and that his love exploded into my heart. So let's, let's kind of take a, a quick review and then we'll, we'll go into a little more about, about bring here. First, uh, Jody did a great job of, of, of talking about a find and tell, and, and the, some of the scriptures that she used, the first one was about Andrew in, in John chapter 1. And, and, and John, John the disciple, I mean, John the uh, Baptist said to the crowd, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, you have to realize the implication of what John just said. Because the Jews of the day, they knew the word of God more than we probably do. And they knew that the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was the anointed one, the Christos, the Messiah. And so here is John pointing 
to this man, the man that the world has been waiting for, that every Jewish heart had been hoping for. And he points to him and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Andrew, a good Jew, heard these words and were blown away. And he decided, well, I better check this out. And so he, he spent a day with Jesus. Can you imagine spending a day with Jesus here on earth, what that would have done? How it would have blown his mind, right? The love, the power, the miracles, the fulfillment of prophecy that he saw, that he knew very well about the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Christos, the Christ He spent a day with Jesus and he was transformed. The first thing Andrew did was he went to find his brother. He said, you got to see what I saw. You got to hear what I heard. You got to experience what I experienced. And he drew his brother, Peter, Simon. He told him about what Jesus said. Did. And then he, he invited him. He said, come, come, come see Jesus yourself. That's the, the great process of finding, telling, and bringing. It's the clearest example of, of it in scripture. One of my other favorite examples of this is in John chapter four, it's the woman at the well. Jesus found this woman He didn't have to go the way that he did. He knew he needed to go the way that he did. Into Samaria, a place where Jews don't like to go, he went. You're not even supposed to talk to Samaritans, according to the Jewish custom. But Jesus, knowing that he needed to go into Samaria to talk to this woman and to go to Jacob's well, he went. He went. And Jesus asked this woman who he wasn't even supposed to talk to according to tradition and custom so that he would not be unclean. He went went and he talked to her and he said, can I have a glass of water? And they had a discussion about water. Just about water. Had a discussion. And, you know, she said, well, you're, you're not even supposed to talk to me. And then Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water that I'm asking you for will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, those were unusual words for a woman at a well who's looking for liquid water. Now here, Jesus is talking about a water that if you drink it, you will never thirst again. If you drink it, it will well up inside of you and you will be refreshed forever. What a great description of of the living water. And she was kind of blown away by it. And not only that, he confirmed it. He confirmed it in the discussion just a little further with words of knowledge and prophetic words about her life and about her marriages. And she was blown away. She was blown away by it. So so what did she do? What was the first thing she did? She ran to tell her friends in the town, look, you got to see this guy. He, He told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the Christos? Could it be the one, the anointed one? And so he said, come, come, come here who this is. Come see him, come meet him. And she brought the people in her town, her friends, her co-workers, her neighbors, her family. She brought them and said, come and hear. And so they came and heard. They were brought to Jesus and Jesus spoke words of life to them. And then, of course, they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said But now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. 
She found her friends. She told her friends. And she brought her friends to Jesus Christ. And Jesus spoke. And they were changed forever. Yes, they were interested. And yes, they were influenced to come because of her words. But then when they were introduced to Jesus, and that's what bring is all about. Bring isn't about, hey, just come to church. Hey, just come to this event or that event. Bring is about bringing people into the presence of Jesus Christ. And then letting the name above all names, the Lord of Lords, the word of God, the logos of God, the living expression of the word of God speak to each soul. Do you remember the time that the living word of God spoke to your soul? Did it change you? Yes? I will never forget the moment that God spoke to me about his love. I could talk about it every day. I will never get tired of talking about the moment that I was brought by my friends to Jesus and then Jesus spoke to me. It influences every aspect of my life Every day. Every day. So now, we're looking at more focus on on bring itself. And Jody, again, just did an amazing job on Find and Tell and just had some great interviews. Weren't those awesome? Just inspiring. Inspiring interviews about about what's happening here but also how we could be a part of it, how we could be a part of it. And now we're looking at the preface. For, we're in Luke chapter 5 right now. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 5, you can, you can follow along. So the Pharisees and the teachers, they were brought from everywhere. They came from everywhere because they, they heard about Jesus. And not only that, but the power of God was there to heal. God was doing a miraculous work. Do you think the power of God is, is here to heal today? I believe it is. And what happened was, you know, when, when the power of God is here to heal, people bring people that, guess what? Need healing, right? And, and, and so these guys, they brought this, this paralyzed guy. He was on a pallet, and there was no room to actually bring him in the building. And so they lowered him down through the roof. That's what happened when the power of God is is here to heal. I want to speak to us today. This is totally not in my notes, but I want to speak to us today that the power of God is here to heal today and to do a mighty work. These guys that brought this fellow that was paralyzed, they did such a radical thing. They brought him and there was no room to get him inside to be near Jesus. And so they opened up the roof and let him down into the building. This is what bringing is all about. Do we believe that the power of God is here to heal, not just physically, but spiritually, the soul, and mentally, the mind? Do we believe it? Then where are the people being lowered down from the ceiling? I want to challenge us as a church. Adventure, the power of God is here to heal. Find someone that you love that needs the touch of God in one of these areas, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's pretty much everybody in this world. And you don't have to lower him in the ceiling, but you can bring him in the door. Amen?
So they were bringing this paralyzed man in and, and, and Jesus said to the man, your sins are forgiven. And then everybody was looking like, what's this? And, he, and Jesus said, which is harder to say? Be healed or your sins are forgiven? Which is the answer? That's right. That's right. Your sins are forgiven. But Jesus says, so that you can be confirmed in your hearts that what I say is true about the forgiveness of sins, be healed. And he was healed physically, affirming the gift of salvation that was also offered to him. The man was radically healed and everyone was amazed. In this testimony of healing, it was right before the story that we're getting to right here about Levi. It was right before. So here we are in a little town, and the healing is taking place over here. Do you think the entire town heard about that story pretty quickly? I think so. And Matthew, he might not have been there, according to the story. We don't know if he was there, but we know he was at a table. He was at a table, and he was collecting taxes. And it wasn't very far. The same people that were with Jesus there, as far as the leaders, the, uh, the disciples, they were walking with Jesus and they bumped right in to Levi. So now we get to our story. Luke 5, 27 through 32. After this, after this, this just happened. A great healing, a great affirmation of the grace of God in salvation. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's look at a few aspects of this scripture. First of all, Jesus went out. Jesus went out. And he saw a tax collector named Levi. He went out on purpose. He didn't just kind of meander around. Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi. He went out on purpose so that the truth and the word of God could get out. We need to get out on purpose. We need to get out in our neighborhood. We need to get out in our workplace. We need to get out on the playgrounds. We need to get out in our public squares. We need to get out. Jesus could have stayed in that house. He could have taught all night. But he knew he had something important to do next. He had to get out and he had to go to Levi who did not know him yet. But as we know, he is a critically important person in the story of Jesus. He did not just see anyone. The story is directed towards his encounter with Levi. And Levi, you know, he was a tax collector. Tax collecting was as it is today, a very unpopular job. But then it was even less popular because tax collectors in this day, they can only collect what's legal. The tax collectors of Jesus' day would just pad their own pockets and betray their own people. And they were very, very unpopular. So he didn't just go to anyone. He went to a very unpopular person. He went to someone that society had rejected, the Jewish society had rejected, as someone who was a traitor, as someone who was a thief. He went to Levi. 
He went to someone who was broken, someone who was ostracized. He went to Levi. You know, it reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. You know the story of, of, of Abraham and, and the promise that was given to him through Sarah that he would have a son and it was a miracle. But Abraham struggled with his faith and decided to try and do it in his own strength and that was with Hagar. And Hagar, after, after the miracle, Hagar got pregnant, but a little later... Sarah got pregnant, and so what'd they do? They kicked Hagar out. And Hagar was all alone and unprotected, rejected, an outcast with her son. And God came to her, and God spoke to her promises too. And Hagar looked up and couldn't believe that even though she was rejected by everyone around her, that God looked to her. And she gave God the name, the God who knows me. The God who knows me. There are a lot of people in this world that feel rejected, like Hagar, like Levi feel ostracized, feel like they're not a part. I have felt that. Have you? God is the God who knows you. He knows you by name. When all have rejected you, when you feel like there is no hope, God is going to come to you and you are going to know that he is the God who knows you by name and loves you. He did not choose Levi because of his popularity. Now, Levi was very rich, but he didn't choose him for that either. As far as society was concerned, he was an outcast, a reject, and... Literally, a good Jew would not associate with a tax collector because of their sinful compromise. The next part is that Jesus said to him, Jesus said to him, he talked with him, and he said, follow me. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Here was this cast aside, rejected person that Jesus said, follow me. The great invitation of God. Again, the context was is that there had been several radical miracles in the town that he had experienced. And this was the great call of God. Behind follow me was the love of God. Behind follow me was the power of God. And it drew Levi to Christ. And he left everything. Levi was probably the richest disciple that there was. And he left everything to follow Jesus. This word bring about, you know, that that you're being brought to Jesus. This is what's happening here. Jesus is bringing him unto himself. He's saying, he's saying, follow me. This, this word uh, has to do with a cause, a cause someone or something to come to a place or cause someone or something to move in a particular direction or a way. This is exactly what happened to Levi, Matthew. He was caused to come. He was drawn He was dragged in the most loving way possible to Christ himself. Jesus will do whatever it takes to bring us into relationship with him. 
The next part is Levi held a great banquet. So here we have, we have Jesus finding Levi. We have Levi being called and being transformed by the incredible love of God identifying him by name, speaking to the one who was rejected and ostracized by the entire culture. And his life was changed. His life was changed. And what do you do when your life is changed? You hold a big banquet. It's exactly what the woman at the well did. Say, hey, come see It's exactly what Andrew did. Peter, you got to come. The most important person in his life. Come and hear. What has happened? So he found his friends, the tax collectors and the others. So, you know, his friends were kind of the unsavory ones that were in the town. He found his friends and he threw a great party. A great party. That's what the word of God says. A great party. What an incredible thing to think about. Experiencing Christ, experiencing that love. Go back to that moment where you heard Jesus for that first time. All you wanted to do, at least all I wanted to do, was tell people about it because it was the most amazing love I had ever experienced. It was a love that was not an earthly love. It was a love that was not a love that would ebb and flow. It was a love that was forever pouring in my soul with rivers of living water flowing out as he described to the woman at the well. And he threw a great party where? His house. His house a place of relationship, a place of intimacy, a place of security. What if we all threw a party at our house and introduced our friends to the one who we met maybe years, maybe months, maybe days ago? What if we did that? Do you think that that's what God is asking us to do? I do. I think he's asking us to figure out ways in our current environment that we can bring people as these folks did in the New Testament to Jesus and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do and touch their lives. The party was for Jesus. That's what the scripture says. The party was for Jesus. And what was Jesus' purpose? Did he he really care about having big parties? No, he cared about meeting the people that were at the parties. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to meet these people that he loved, that he died, that he's going to die for on the cross. He wanted to meet them and tell them, about his incredible love. As he told Andrew when his life was changed, as he told the woman of the well and her life was changed, as he told Levi and his life was changed, he wants to tell everyone about his love and his grace. That was the reason why the party was thrown for Jesus. Not so that he could have a party but so that he could meet those that were at the party. You know, when the adventure was started, we had lots of parties. I wasn't here yet, but I I was told it was like a party every Friday night. Now, if you know Jody and you know Eric, don't you think that probably happened every Friday? I think so. (laughs) You know, I, I think they threw great parties. Is there anyone here that went to those parties? I know that there are. They're outside (laughs) on the worship team. Those parties were awesome. And Eric and Jody, they would talk a little about Jesus, but they would introduce people to be Jesus. 
Chris Stringfellow, who plays guitar over here, he wasn't today, was he? No. He does on the other worship team. He, he and his wife, they, they went to that party, one of those parties, and, and they met Jesus. They met Jesus. That's what we did. That's how this church started, was because of parties. And I think that we are due to have a few more parties. What do you think? We have the most incredible name above all names, Jesus Christ. Living in our souls, the flood of the love of Jesus Christ is in us. And we should party like no one else has partied and bring people to those parties. You know, a ton of people volunteer each and every Sunday to throw a party that's here. You're at it. You're at it. This is a party. As I was thinking about this in, my, in, in developing this sermon, I thought, hmm, we should treat this a little more like a party. What do you think? I think we should. Because this is the best party ever. This is when Jesus shows up and meets people. What an incredible thing that is. Why do we sit down so civilized when this is the most amazing encounter that could ever happen in the world, that people meet Jesus Christ, that we who know Jesus can encounter him once again in a very special way within the family of God. We should celebrate. I am really tempted to get you up right now to celebrate. (laughs) But I'll let you sit. (laughs) Everybody says, phew. We have kids ministry and youth ministry and the connect ministry and adventure teams and worship teams and video teams and light teams and, and uh, sound teams and, and, and the cafe, all these teams. There's probably more I, I, I didn't mention. All these teams are here and volunteering to put on the best party that we can. And I venture to say that all of us who know Jesus need to be a part of making this party even better than it is. Can I just say that? We need to double our adventure teams. We need to double our sound. We need to double every single team in this church so that we have the most outrageous party for Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you, if you know Jesus Christ, our job is to throw great parties now so that people can come and encounter the living God. So when you come to church on Sunday, yes, you're going to get something. Hopefully, you're going to get something. I really believe it. But it is our job, those of us that know Jesus now, to throw the best party we can with God's grace and God's help to do the miraculous. If you're not participating in any of those teams or security team too, I just saw Doug, security team too, we need people to be on these teams so that we could make this party better and better environment for Jesus Christ to just meander through and for people to be touched by his love. Have you ever seen church like that before? Because I'm challenging us right now in the Lord, to start looking at Sundays as the great party that it is intended to be. It is not a religious service. It is the party of God. I remember the first time I went to church, I could not believe what I was seeing. It was like everyone was engaged in not just singing, there was something else going on. I didn't know what it was yet, but something was happening. Something was happening between people and God that blew my mind. That's what the party is all about. And then a large crowd of friends came as our next part of the scripture. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. It was a large crowd of nefarious people like you. <laughs> Without Christ, we, we all would be in this category in some degree. Imagine what it was like 
for Levi, for Matthew, to introduce his friends to Jesus Christ. Imagine what it was like. Hey, Tim, Tim, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, this guy right here, he's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for for thousands of years. He blew my mind the other day. You got to meet him. Come here, Tim. Come here. He's not getting up because I didn't tell him to get up. (laughs) Don't get up, Tim. It's okay. (laughs) You've got to meet him. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. There is no one like this. This is God himself incarnate. And you can meet him. You can touch him. You can experience his love and his power and his grace. You can be healed of all the things that you're struggling with. You've got to meet him, Tim. I believe that that's the way Levi was. To every one of his friends. Dude, you gotta meet him. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. The whole nation has been waiting for him. This is Jesus. I think Levi was a little out of his mind in a great way. He couldn't believe that he got to introduce Jesus Christ, the one that that every person around him was waiting for, hoping for, praying for. He got to introduce his family and friends and co-workers and neighbors to this, to Jesus Christ. The most amazing thing in the world. The thing that changed his life forever was meeting Jesus. And he got to bring his friends right to him and introduce them. You know, we celebrate with music. We celebrate the grace of God each Sunday. We celebrate and we invite people to follow him and introduce him to him each, each Sunday. But at Christmas, at holidays, but at Christmas in particular. We have this great opportunity. We have this party called a concert. Have you heard of it? It's this incredible concert that we have. It is, it is not a religious service. It's not at religious service times. It's a lot of fun. It's a little more technical, a little more showy, a little more fun. And we get to invite people to this party. If Levi knew about this concert, I think he would have made sure to get every ticket that was available because he had a boatload of friends and enemies that he wanted to invite to come to this great party. And I want to encourage you, not because we care if the concert sells out, but because we care that the concert sells out with those that would be introduced at a party to Jesus Christ himself. I want to challenge you today, after the service, to run over Angela Winston (laughs) and get those tickets. Not because we couldn't care less about the price, We care that people are here that are invited to a great party to experience Jesus Christ. That's why we do it every year. So the religious complained, and this is is where, uh, you know, things can get stopped. This is where things can get clogged up. The religious people complained when they saw who was hanging around with Jesus. Who was hanging around with Jesus? Sinners. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Sinners were hanging around with Jesus. And guess what? He relished it because he came to seek and save the lost. This is who he was looking for. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? The religious people said, You know, it's easy to become comfortable in our seats with those that 
attend church. We can't just be a few, can't we just be a few and no one knew because we know each other and we feel comfortable with each other? No, we can't. Because there is a world out there that needs to be introduced to Jesus Christ too. It means that there's going to be loud noises like in the back, right? It means that there's going to be uncomfortable people here. It means there's going to be people just like us that need a hospital. Is it okay? Is it okay that we have people that have needs that come here to hear about Jesus at the party? Is it okay that we have people that are struggling with addictions that come to this party? Is it okay that we have people that are starving emotionally to come to this party? Because they're just like us. It's so easy to forget from where we came from. But I can tell you, Without a doubt, I was a wreck before I came to Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people that need him. Let us not be like the Pharisees and the teachers who complain. Oh my goodness, look at this place. Look at all these people. Look how they're dressed. Look how they're, look how they, are they're acting. Look how they're doing things that are inappropriate. How many of you things did, some, did something that was inappropriate in your life? You know? Oh, definitely me. I probably did one today. So, the religious complained. But what was Jesus' hard answer? Jesus answered him, them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is calling everyone, and that includes us. But such were some of us. All of us, right? We were sinners. We desperately needed the grace of God. And so we all fall into this category. And so when you see somebody in our party who you might not recognize, can I say the right thing to do at a party is to introduce yourself and get them a drink? Right? Go get them a coffee or a water or something from the cafe. What if we all decided we were going to be hosts at this party? What would that look like? Not a single person would leave without being loved and cared for by several other people that are already at the party. Now, I've heard of, of, of people that have come and gone from our church that have not talked to a single person. And I've heard of that at other churches in our valley. Let it never be at the adventure again. Let it never be that at this party, someone leaves not loved, not cared for, not known by us. This is the great party that we have each and every Sunday. And Jesus is serious about fine tell bring. This is what he says. He gives a parable in Matthew 22. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Maybe you know somebody like that. Then he sent some more servants and said, let Tell those who've been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and they went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I've invited did not come. 
So go out into the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. This is the heart of our God. Fill my party, fill my wedding with everyone. Let not a seat be empty in the party. Because I want everyone to come to faith in Christ. This is bring. This is our call that we would find people. We would tell them about what God has done in our lives. And now we would bring them to this great party where they could be introduced to Jesus themselves. I had a a really fun party that I threw about 14 years ago. It was called AD 2003. You can put up that slide. I don't know if you can read that. Oh, that's pretty big. So if you don't know what Alpha is, Alpha is a 10-week course on introducing people to the truth of who Jesus Christ Christ is and exploring the meaning of life over dinner. It's 10 nights with 10 dinners, and it's it's an incredible, incredible environment where where we, we would share the gospel, and I did it in California. It was started by a guy named Nicky Gumbel in the United uh, Kingdom uh, many, many years ago. There's over 50,000 courses worldwide uh, uh, currently running that do Alpha. It's an incredible way to have a Matthew party. Incredible way. And so there's a small group of us who are singing, seeing some amazing results and people coming to faith in Christ in California. And we all got together as a little steering committee and we decided, what if we threw a giant party? And so we did. We, we raised half a million dollars. That's not easy to do. This was in 2003 where a million dollars actually meant like a million dollars. You know, it was, it was a lot of money that we raised. And we had this great big marketing campaign. We had billboards, if you know the San Jose area, on 101, the busiest, most, uh, most uh, used freeway in all of that area. We had billboards up everywhere. On the bus stops, there were billboards. There were billboards everywhere. There were radio commercials, TV commercials. We had our own radio show for a year, an hour-long radio show on KFAX, which was the talk Christian radio channel uh, during that time. We had all this going on. We had 200 churches involved to throw this great party. Try and get 200 churches involved. That ain't easy. We had 200 churches involved in an area that that San Jose itself was about a million people. The surrounding area was over 2 million. And, And we had 200 churches involved. And in one day, we had a prayer walk where teams of two or three would go to every home in San Jose. You know how many homes that is? It's a quarter million homes. Would go, went to a quarter million homes in one day and reached out to everyone they can who was still home and talk with them and invite them to an Alpha Invitational Dinner at a church near them and then would pray for them. A quarter million homes in one day. This was a great party, you guys. It was an incredible thing that happened. What, what an amazing thing to do, to spend a year long planning this party to invite people to experience my Jesus. It was a thrill. It was one of the most amazing things I was ever a part of. Over 10,000 people went to Alpha dinners during that season. It was a radical, radical time. You might say, that's fine, but what could one person do? What can I do? You know, you had 200 churches. You had, you had uh, you know, 200 pastors that were organizing this and pushing it. You had a, a half million dollars. What can I do? Watch this video and see what you could do. There's no uh, greater privilege than bringing a friend or a member of the family to know Christ. That verse, uh, verse 42, where it says that Andrew brought his brother Peter to Christ. The great uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, who wrote a commentary on John's Gospel. He wrote by the words, he brought Simon to Jesus. The greatest service 
that one person can render another. And it's something that we can all do. Andrew, we don't really read very much about Andrew, except that all the time he was bringing people to Jesus. But Peter became one of the greatest influences in human history. Countless millions of people. Lives have been affected by the Apostle Peter. And we can't all do what Peter did, but we can all do what Andrew did. He brought his brother to Jesus. I uh, heard about a man called Albert McMakin. He was 24 years of age. He was a farmer. He'd just become a Christian, and he was really excited. So he heard that there was this event going on where someone was speaking about Jesus, and he decided he'd invite all his friends. Uh, uh, And he got this old van, and there was one guy he really wanted to come. He was a farmer's son, uh, uh, and he really wasn't interested. This guy had lots of girlfriends. He was a very good-looking guy. uh, And he thought, how am I going to get him? So eventually he said to him, look, would you drive the van? And the guy said, okay, well, I'll drive the van. I'm not particularly keen to come in, but I'll drive the van. And he came along, drove the van, and just he was interested in what was going on, so he popped in at the back, and he was spellbound. And he he went back night after night after night. And on the last night, the the speaker said, look, if you want to uh, give your life to Jesus, come to the front. And this farmer's son got, got up and went to the front. Since that day, that person has spoken to 210 million people in person about the Christian faith. He's been the friend and confidant of nine American presidents. And uh, he's spoken, uh, not live, but through television and so on, to half the world's population. His name, of course, is Billy Graham. We can't all be Billy Grahams, but we can all be Albert McMakins. We can all be the one who says, come and see, and brings our friends to Christ. Why don't you stand with me? Everyone can be an Albert McMakin. Isn't that right? Yes. Everyone. We could all, even if it takes bribing somebody with driving a truck, I don't think that'll work today. You'll have to give him your iPhone. I just can't believe that we have this incredible privilege. This incredible privilege of bringing people to Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you. We are not here for any other purpose except to prepare this place as a great banquet, a party, and to invite those in our lives to come and experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Why don't you close your eyes? Lord God, right now, we, we just come before you. And Lord, if it, we want to be a part of this party. We want to make this party something amazing. That when people come, they are blown away by the love and grace and passion of Jesus Christ. This is our vision. This is the adventure. This is our call as individuals, as Andrew was, as the woman as the well was, as Levi was, Matthew. Lord, we want to bring people to you. Just think about those people right now in your life that that don't know the Lord that have not experienced this amazing encounter with the living God. Let's pray for them right now. Lord God, right now we just lift up our friends and family, co-workers and neighbors, people that we want to invite to the party, 
this wonderful, wonderful party of your love. Lord, this celebration of your life, the celebration of the promises of God and the eternal gift that you've given us. Lord, we pray that you would give us the boldness, the love, the compassion as Matthew had to invite people to the party. And I just want to give you an invitation. If, if you have not come to the party, in other words, you have not met Jesus, this is your opportunity. Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God is here and he is speaking to you personally right now. The way he spoke with Levi, the way he spoke with the woman at the well, the way he spoke with Andrew and it changed their lives and he is speaking to you right now about his love, about his grace, drawing you to himself because he delights in who you are and he knows you by name. You are not forgotten by God. Right now, he is speaking your name and he is asking you to give your heart to Jesus, to open up your heart and allow his grace to bring forgiveness for the things that you've committed that have separated you from him. And if that's you while we're praying, I just want to encourage you to lift your hand right now so that I can know that that's you. Is there anyone here? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. Those of you that raised your hand, you're praying it maybe for the first time. And the rest of us, we are praying it in unity with you and also to affirm what God has done in our lives. Why don't you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for inviting me to the party where I can hear about your amazing love and be changed by your grace. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and let your grace cover those sins. You took my sins upon yourself so I could be forgiven. I now receive you as my Lord and Savior, the leader of my life and the forgiver of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen.